Lord, as we gather here now and we prepare for this time where your word is read, we ask that you open our hearts, that you open our eyes and our ears, that you help us to understand and perceive the truth that you have in store for us through the power of your word. We ask that you quiet our minds, clear us from any distractions, and bless this time that we have now in the presence of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. And then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When I was uh, younger... And I heard this story uh, much younger. Um, I, I thought Amalek was the name of some guy. And I thought, well, it's Joshua and some guy out there fighting. Uh, but Amalek was actually the, the name of the, the country or the, the tribe that had, had risen up against Israel during that time. Other parts of scripture, they're called the Amalekites. And, uh, and just to give you a little bit of background about what is happening, this is, this is not long after Moses has delivered Israel from slavery. And they've, they've crossed the Red Sea, they've seen signs and wonders, they've seen how God is using Moses and how God has delivered them, but yet uh, they keep uh, complaining and they keep turning their, their backs against Moses and they keep rebelling against him and they, they want new leadership. And, and then this, this happens, this story that we've just read where they go into battle against the Amalekites and and whenever they're battling, whenever Moses lifts his hands, they start winning. Whenever he lowers his hands, Israel uh, starts losing. When I read this story, I think about the 1992 World Series. The Atlanta Braves were playing the Toronto Blue Jays. And, uh, and, and for whatever reason in our house, we started this superstition where we had a, a Braves cap on the TV during the game. And if the Braves were doing good that, that inning, we said, well, we need to leave that cap up there on the TV. And if they would have a bad inning, they'd all strike out or whatever, and then we'd say, oh, we need to turn the cap a little bit, or, or, we, or we need to put a little foam tomahawk up there next to the cap with it. We got real weird and superstitious with that stuff. And, uh, and I think all of us have the tendency to do some strange things like that, whether we realize it or not. Uh, superstitions... Uh, very prominent in the sports world. In fact, um, some very good athletes, um, very gifted, talented athletes are superstitious. 
Michael Jordan, who many people say is, uh, is the, if not one of the uh, best uh, basketball players to ever play the game, he was superstitious. He wore his college shorts underneath his uh, Chicago Bulls shorts for every game. In fact, that's why he wore his shorts so long, was to cover up the fact that his college shorts were underneath. And in doing that, he actually accidentally set the trend that became popular in the 90s where basketball players were wearing baggy shorts. Uh, but, but it goes on. Uh, there's uh, an NBA player named Jason Terry who takes it to the extreme. He, he wears every single night before a game, he will wear the uh, opposing team's shorts to bed and then the day of the game, he has to eat fried chicken before the game, and he has to wear five pairs of socks layered on top of each other. So it gets pretty crazy. In fact, there was a player for the Cleveland Indians back in the 1980s that uh, uh, he didn't play very long, but his name was Kevin Romberg, and he had this weird superstition that if anybody touched him, he had to touch them back. And word of this spread throughout the, the, the team, throughout the clubhouse, and then throughout the league eventually. And, and so people would come up to him, even from opposing teams, even fans, just to have fun. And they'd run up to him and touch him and then run off just, just to see him go nuts over it. Just because he couldn't stand the thought of, he thought it was bad luck. So our superstitions, you know, sort of get the best of us. We have those, those, those tendencies to think that there's something in what we're doing is going to make a big difference. And when we read this passage, if we're not careful, we, we might think the same thing. That if, as long as Moses kept that hand raised up, then they were going to win. As long as he took it down, they were going to lose. But that's not a superstition. That's not some kind of weird cosmic thing that Moses was influencing. This was the work of God. This was God trying to demonstrate to the people of Israel that he had appointed for them a leader and that it was by the hand of that leader that he had appointed that they were going to prevail. Now, when we talk about this and this battle, you may say, well, isn't this just another example of Old Testament violence? And, and, and I've said over and over again, the Old Testament stories are there because they're relevant for us now. They teach us something. And when we read these stories about battles and wars going on, we need to be careful just not to write it off as senseless violence because the truth is we still engage in battles every day. Only our battles are of a different nature. Paul said in Ephesians, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, we have a war going on all around us, all the time. A battle for our souls, a battle for our attention, a battle for our allegiance, a battle for our relationship with God, a battle for the church. And there are always dark forces that are trying to come in and separate us from all that and disrupt all of that. So when we read something about a battle in the Old Testament, we have to look at it and say, well, how is this relevant for us? We've been talking a lot uh, in the past few months about the work of the church, the mission of the church, the nature of the church, how we work together. On Wednesday nights, we just concluded a series on the spiritual gifts, how all of those spiritual gifts come together to make one body. And, and this, this story, I believe, is very relevant to all of that. This, this story here gives us a clue as to what the nature of the church should be, how we should work together. Now, if you look at the clues 
uh, or you look at the characters, they sort of give us a clue as to what our role is or how we can support each other. First of all, obviously, in, in the story, there's, there's Moses. Moses has been appointed by God. Moses has been chosen by God to, to lead Israel. And in every organization, in every church, there, there are leaders. There's a pastor, there's committee leaders, there's Sunday school teachers. There are people who are charged with the task to lead in some capacity. Now, Moses was effective only because he was chosen by God. It wasn't because Moses himself was some wonderful person. On the contrary, God chose him in spite of his shortcomings and in spite of his weaknesses. And that brings us to the next character, although it's not really a person in this story, and I think it's a very important part of the story, is the staff. You see, Moses didn't just raise his hand. It says he rose his hand with his staff. His staff symbolized God's power. Remember, the staff was what God told him to place down in the wilderness. And when Moses did, it turned into a serpent. And he said, now pick it up by the tail. And when Moses did, it turned back into a staff. That staff was a sign of God's power and of God's anointing, God's call on Moses. So it wasn't enough for Moses just to raise his hand. It was raising his hand with the staff to let everybody know that Moses is the leader God appointed, but the power is still ultimately God's. And we will only prevail if God is working through Moses. Now the the other characters in the story, there's Aaron and there's Hur, who go up on the hill with Moses. And when Moses' arm gets tired, what do they do? They hold it up. They place a rock up under him for him to sit, and they, they hold it up. They support him. And in the same way, in our church, when we have leaders, we have to support them with our prayer, with our encouragement, however we can. And, and Aaron and her, in their own way, were also leaders. They were not down there on the battlefield. They were up there with Moses. They were leaders as well. And so when we look at the the church and how it's designed, the nature of the church, we see that God appoints people uh, to lead, and he appoints other people to support those in a position of leadership. And and it's, it's our duty to support each other with prayer, with encouragement, and with love. And then finally, there's Joshua. This is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. Joshua was faithful. Even when the rest of Israel was complaining and murmuring and wanting to turn their backs on Moses, the scripture never says that Joshua did the same. Joshua was faithful and he was loyal. And who does Joshua represent? Joshua represents the army. He was the leader of the army. He was the one down on the battleground doing the grunt work. He was the one engaged with these forces of evil. And so when we think about Joshua, when we think about the faithful, when we think about the the army, what is that? That's the congregation. That's that's the heart and soul of the church. That's the people that that are trying to take the mission of God out beyond these walls and to the world around us. It's the people that are that are willfully engaging in battle with those spiritual forces all around us because we know that God is with us and that as long as we are supported in prayer and in love and in effective administration and leadership, we will be victorious because God is watching over us. Now, when when you read this story, it talks about Moses growing tired. It talks about his hand growing tired. He had to have people come and support it 
and hold it at all. But I, I, I don't think that he was the only one growing tired. I'm sure that as Joshua and the army was down there engaged in battle, they were growing tired at times too. This went on for, for a time, it seems like. I mean, this was a battle that was going one way and then another and then another. So you know that they were growing tired as well. And then Aaron and her, I'd be willing to bet it doesn't say that they grew tired, but I'm sure they did. If, if, if your job was to stand there and hold somebody else's arm up, I'm sure that at some point you would get tired. So the point is, everybody in all of their roles will experience exhaustion. They will experience fatigue. But what do we do? We depend on each other. We lean on each other. We support each other. Now Moses was the one that God had placed there, had, had placed to be in leadership. And we may wonder, why? Why did they need a leader? If they were down there on battle, why couldn't God just be there in battle with them? Why couldn't God just help those that were down there in battle? Why did they need somebody up top watching over them, lifting the rod? Well, like I said, this whole thing, it's, it, there's a very valuable lesson contained for us, but also for the people of Israel. And that is that we all need someone else in our lives who can see things that we don't. Moses went on top of the hill because he could see the battle from a different perspective there. He could watch over them, he could pray over them, and he could call upon God because he could see what was happening. And in the same way, in the church we have... We have a, a leadership, we have pastors, but, but even leadership, even pastors, we have people who watch over us. I have mentors, I have pastors of my own that I rely on for uh, prayer and for support, and they have mentors and leaders as well. We all have leaders in our life that God has placed there because they can see something that we can't. When we are engaged in battle, when we are doing the grunt work, when we are doing the work God has called us to do, we can see what's right there in front of us. We can engage with that. And that's what we should be doing. But it is very hard for us to see beyond that, to see the big picture. And that's why we all have leaders. We also get very, very busy, and sometimes that will distract us. That will keep us from seeing things clearly. Claire reminded me yesterday of a time when, uh, it was before we started dating, when I was wanting to date her. Um, I, we had known each other for a long time. This had been, I mean, we, we had been friends for probably a couple years at this point. She, she knew my sister, and, and, and we had seen each other in some social settings. And Anyway, she worked at a restaurant, and I went in there, and I decided uh, that I was going to sit in her section. And I was going to talk to her and flirt with her a little bit while she waited on, on me. And so I went in this restaurant all, all by myself and, uh, and sat down at a table in her section. And she was so busy, she came up to me and, uh, and, and barely made eye contact with me at all. And she kind of just stood there and she started telling me, well, the, the specials today are such and such and such. And such. She didn't know who I was. And, and it was... First of all, it, it was a shot to my ego. I, I, I was thinking, she, she doesn't even know me? What, what's going on here? And, and finally, you know, as she's rattling off all the specials and, and all this stuff, I, I said, Claire. And then she, oh, hey, I didn't realize that was you sitting here. And that's what happens when we get so involved, when we get so busy, we don't see what, what is right in front of us. 
And when we're engaged in the grunt work, when we're engaged in the mission, we're doing what God wants us to do, but sometimes we don't see the big picture. It could be because of fatigue, it could be because of complacency, or it could be because we are just so busy. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need each other's support, but not just support. We need accountability. As Moses stood up there on the hill, and he had his staff raised, a sign that God was prevailing and God was watching over the entire situation. I'm sure that at some point it would have been easy for Moses to look down and say, yep, we're winning, we've got this in hand, I'm going to go take a nap. Or I'm going to go eat a sandwich or, or whatever. I mean, Moses could have at any point said, I want to go do something else now. I, I want to do what I feel like doing. But he had Aaron and her there with him, not just to support him, not just to strengthen him and keep his hand raised, but to also hold him accountable and to help him fixate his attention on God and on the battle that was at hand. That's why we need each other. All of us who, whether we're, we're in some type of leadership, whether we're serving on a committee, or whether we're just doing the grunt work, whether we're out there trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world that needs us, we all need leaders. We all need prayer. We all need support. But most of all, we all need to remember that God is prevailing over the situation. No matter what we are doing, no matter what our role in the church may be, we all get tired. But what should we do? Should we give up, quit? No. We find rest and strength in each other. We support each other. The battle against the Amalekites, it never stopped just because Moses lowered his hand. The battle continued to go on. It's just that Israel was losing. What Paul calls the rulers and the authorities, the cosmic powers of this present darkness, they never let up either. They never stop their attack. They seek to undo us. They seek to separate us from God's love. They seek to separate us from the God we serve. They seek to destroy the church, sometimes even from the inside. They seek to get us off track in our mission there's a battle going on constantly for our souls and for the soul of the congregation. There's a battle going on for the soul of the world at large. And if we let up, those evil powers, those powers of darkness will start to win. But if we are willing to recognize our role, and we are willing to recognize the roles of, of those who God has placed in our life, and if we are faithful if we are willing to fight, if we are willing to support and hold each other accountable, while recognizing that God prevails, we will be victorious. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have a master plan, that you have a battle plan. Even when we feel like we are lone wolves, lone rangers out there doing things on our own, you have something better in mind. You connect us through your spirit. You give us each gifts and graces. You give us leadership. You give us mentors. You give us wisdom from people who can see things from angles that we can't. Lord, you give us people who will pray for us, who will uphold us and hold us accountable. Lord, let us also become for them people who will pray and hold each other accountable. 
May we always recognize that the battle never ends. The mission of the church is never done. And though our hands, our feet, our hearts may grow tired and weary, you are there with us throughout it all, as long as we lift you up and we support each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 474, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. If you've made a decision of any type today, I encourage you and invite you to come forward. As always, the altar is open if you wish to come and just just spend a moment in prayer. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 474.